0: This meeting is being recorded. <laughs> so, uh, hello everyone and welcome to another episode of All Blaze No Glory, the podcast. Um, I'm joined tonight by Michael Maudsley and um, Roger Hill. And um, we're here to talk about about Roger's son, uh, David, who uh, sadly passed away last year. And um, first I'll just bring you in, David, if you could let us know a little... Sorry, I'll bring you in, Roger, could you let us know a little bit about, about David and...
1: and um, um, what happened her yeah right so good evening richard and, and or good afternoon whenever people are listening to this but thank you for inviting us on to the podcast but um, and it's great to be able to talk about David at this time um David um, David hill uh, was a 30 year old young man very fit fit and uh, with no previous uh, uh, illnesses or uh, underlying concerns. David loved his rugby, you know, David grew up in a family with his dad, who's rugby daft, that's me, you know, I've been taking him to Murrayfield since he's been a small thing, Um, and we've done away trips as well together, we've done the Rome one together, which was was fantastic, so David uh, grew up with rugby in his blood, Um, he also grew up with fairly bad eyesight, and it was only after he got laser vision uh, when he was 21 did he actually realise uh, against who he was playing um, but uh, in terms of he loved rugby, he watched it uh, but let's just say uh, we saw some of the press coverage after David's death and talked about him being a rugby ace David was um, enthusiastic, let us put it that way, about his rugby, he loved it but I would not necessarily say he was a rugby ace um, so David uh, had played for uh, played for the Scottish Parliamentary team, and I'm going to ask Michael the to 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 fill in because he's got lots more information about that. And it's a really I, I think a really fun community le- community type of or- uh, uh, fixture. They they play against community teams, they play against um, other parliamentary teams. And David was over in Dublin playing for the Scottish Parliamentary side on uh, the 19th of well they were over there for the Dublin weekend the 19th of March and he was so looking forward to it and the uh, one of his last text messages to me we were trying to catch up on the phone and he said no no dad can't, can't speak to you I'm getting up for a flight at three o'clock in the morning and by seven o'clock in the morning there's pictures of uh, champagne glasses at London airport London Heathrow in the executive lounge um and then pictures later on that day from the Guinness uh, storehouse. So he was having a ball, you know. He was he was having a ball and had a they had a bit of a, a, a thing going on that weekend about how many pints of Guinness would be sunk over the course of the weekend. And um, we were we got a phone call, you know. So they play the game before the international. The international we think is probably about a four forty-five or a later kickoff, and. Uh, we were away for the weekend and we got a phone call uh, about half past one, uh, about, sorry, about quarter to two in the afternoon on the Saturday. And uh, it was from his flatmate, Dan, who um, who had contacted us by saying he, he said he phoned dad. And David had collapsed on the pitch. Um, and, you know, despite the efforts of the people around him, Uh, And that included, um, you know, doctors who were watching the game, who were participating as ringers, because often parliamentary games had a few ringers in there. um, And they were uh, in there to system. They used defibs and so on. But actually, there was no no way of saving David. And he died from a massive cardiac event uh, at that time. So um, although they worked on him later. Um, And we didn't know that at the time. Because he'd gone into a rock and he'd come out and and uh, he'd been in the rock, he'd been in the middle of one, I think, and then the the um, it reformed over the other side of the pitch, and and he just sort of turned to Andrew Brown, the captain of the team at that time, and just had said, "I think I've got a bit of a headache," and went down one knee and then sat back right down and then lay back and died, and you know, deeply affecting for all of the people on the pitch. And so therefore, you know, we didn't know, was it a head injury? Was it uh, um, something else? And it took till July until we found out that it was actually a cardiac event that had happened, that David had died of an undiagnosed cardiac event. Um, and this actually is a horrific thing. And, I, I'm, you know, if you later on, Richard, if you don't mind, I'm going to talk a bit about CRY and about the work that they do. And, and CRY is the cardiac risk in the young charity, which is really have been so supportive to us as a family, uh, but also are really leading the campaign in terms of bringing in cardiac screening for, you know, as an option for young people across this country. Um, And it was, um, you know, through that, it was just, there was such a dreadful irony, a horrible irony that, you know, David died doing what he loved, uh, you know, on a rugby pitch, um, just... And rugby wasn't the cause, and that we have to be clear about that. David didn't die of a rugby injury. David died because he was playing rugby, potentially was exercising, and often sudden cardiac events happen through exercise swimmers. It happens to swimmers uh, at various times. So um, it was at his funeral um, shortly after that where we celebrated his life, and members of the team, uh, members of the opposition, because the Irish had come over, came over for the funeral as well. We talked about what we could do to commemorate, and that's where the idea of a commemorative match came into play. And uh, you know, and that's what's been played for next Saturday, a weekend Saturday, we're playing for the first playing of the David Hill Memorial Quake, uh, which we hope will be an annual fixture, which the Scots will win. Um, and because uh, we don't want to give it over to the Irish, frankly, um, and uh, it will be a trophy which will be—it's interesting in that it does say the David Hill Memorial Quake. There is a slightly different engraving on the bottom of it. I don't know whether I'm allowed to—I um, don't know whether I'm allowed to swear on this podcast, Richard. You can either nod or not, um, <laughs> because. Uh Gareth Ahern who we met when we were over in Dublin. He he looked at David as he was lined up and we met him in the pub a couple of days after David's death and uh he was in bits, but he said, he said, I looked to David across from me and he said, That looks like a nifty wee fucker. And uh, so, in, in terms of... Um, so, when Michael... When you get your hands on the trophy, just turn it upside down, you'll find that it's actually the nifty wee fucker trophy. <laughs> so. um, I, didn't, I didn't actually know that was in the bottom of
2: it, Roger.
1: Um, but I think that's a very... It's a, yeah, it's on the bottom. It's actually on the bottom of the plinth. But, you know, we thought that was fitting, that actually, if you turn the thing upside down to drink out of it, that actually, it was actually... And it, it, David had a wry sense of humour, uh, and um, we want to celebrate that as well. And, and this type of rugby is. So I mean, he loved he loved the parliamentary side, um, and he loved playing for them. And he, I think he was he was a big part of it. Michael, you'll be able to tell us more.
2: Yeah. So um, kind of David was um, one of the, the co-founders. I'm led to believe. And um, I was going to give a, just a bit of background about parliamentary rugby. I think Roger actually summed us up quite well there by talking about. Uh, Champagne at seven in the morning at airports and how many pints of Guinness uh, we can drink over a weekend. Um, there's a whole other side to it. Um, so parliamentary rugby is a concept, uh, started with Nelson Mandela in 1995 at the World Cup um, when he arranged, obviously, um, for kind of the different parliamentarians who were attending um, to have a tournament. Um, and it's now become, uh, I think it's mandatory for the host nation to host it. So there's going to be one in September uh, in France, for example. And... Um, and then um, obviously that predates the Scottish Parliament, so we didn't have a team to put in. But I think for the first kind of ten to fifteen years of the Scottish Parliament, people went and played for the House of Commons and Lords. Um, and then in 2015 and 2016, uh, you know David and his pals kind of came together, to had the idea of forming a rugby team. Um, I don't know the exact story, uh, but I suspect it involves probably watching rugby and drinking. Um, but um, you know it's, it's a, a massive testament actually. Oh, Dave, a huge amount of gratitude um, for it. Thank you. It's fantastic. So I've been lucky to play for a number of different clubs over my career. Um, so, you know, Edinburgh, Northern mainly, and the History Boys, and then obviously school as well. Um, but the Parliament is just, it's special. Um, you know, you, it's, it's such a different vibe to playing serious rugby. You know, you've got players who played for, you know, Scotland, for example. In, in one case, we had a, a former Scotland international female player. Um, all the way through to people who never played the game before, but just fancy picking up a jersey. And... Um, there's no expectation you know it's about getting on the pitch getting involved um and yeah it's, it's just fantastic and for me who I joined four years ago and became captain this year um when Andy Brown stepped down um you know it's such a huge part of it or at least David was for me you know I actually remember when I first came down um to the parliament we were playing England and I was a bit kind of confused because I was a civil servant surrounded by politicians which is not my usual environment so you don't really know how to kind of speak and stuff and David was the first person over to me, introducing me to people, you know, following me around. Um, I didn't think he maybe realised uh, quite how bossy a fly half I was. Um, so I then spent eight minutes shouting at him um, and getting slightly irritated. Uh, but then he bought me a beer afterwards, um, you know. And, um, you know, it's an absolute privilege to David and for the Parliament as well. I think it's, um, you know, it's fantastic. And obviously, there's a bit of a serious side to it in terms of the charity fundraising. So we were heavily involved with School of Hard Knocks uh, previously, um, you know, raising money for them and um, playing against them, which I actually think might have been David's idea as well. Um, but obviously now um, with what's happened, we've moved beyond that. Uh, so we'll now be uh, principally supporting CRY and the Moneyfield Injury Players Foundation um, for the first
1: season. I think a lovely thing that you've done, uh, Michael, uh, that uh, they've retired the number nine jersey, you know, which... For me, is you know, is very touching, uh, and really the family have really appreciated that. That yes, sir, and we we, we realised that when we looked at the the team list for when you played the Lords and common, commoners, and it went down, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, twenty-one, ten, you know, and you know, that was just a lot for us. That was a very heartfelt moment, and we really appreciated that as a family.
2: Yeah, I think from my perspective, on the committee, that was a really easy decision to make. Um, David was such a fundamental part of it. And, you know, you can retire obviously, you know, retire a number um for a multitude of reasons. But I think in this case, you know, I think it's quite significant. Um, you know, and David is as a squad a replaceable. you know. Um so I think it's kind of I think that was important. But obviously we've taken the step um with the memorial kit, which I think we'll probably come on to talking about the game shortly to incorporate the number nine in all of the the products that we've got, um, you know the quarter zip which I'm not wearing because it's in a box, um, and you know the kit, they've all got number nine on the shoulder, um, which is basically because I think on the committee we discussed that that you know we all wanted to have a little bit of David on the pitch, um, you know it's something to remember him by, um, so um, I think that's kind of our own tribute as well. It's having the kind of retiring the number for the long term. Yeah, yeah. well,
0: it's it's nice that you you've. You've got all these nice memories. It's, it was nice that you started off with um, talking about the nice time he was having, and and even the um, the. I, I really do appreciate the, the the engraving on the bottom of the quake. It, it just shows, you know, I, I obviously didn't know David, but it, it shows his personality. If he if he would have found that entertaining, mm-hmm. um, I suppose. Um, the next thing maybe to, to to talk about is is the is the game itself and, and where it's taken place. Um, maybe Mike, yeah. if sure you're the best one to, to bring that up or not, um, and and then and where people can maybe find out more about how they can they can donate to the charity. But if we start with the game, maybe first.
2: Yeah, so um, the fixture itself is going to be played on the 11th of March. Uh, at, it's a half two kickoff at Peffer Mill in Edinburgh, which is the University of Edinburgh grounds. Um, the fixture is kind of apart from obviously being the memorial fixture. It is also part of the Parliamentary Six Nations, which Roger actually mentioned. We played the House of Commons and Lords uh, four weeks ago. Um, so it will be our equivalent from the Irish government coming across um, to play us. Um, and, yeah, it'd be, it should be a fantastic game. Um, you know, they're quite a good side as well, so um a challenge um, in that perspective. Um, and in terms of information, I think the best place to find that information would be on our Twitter, which is at Hollywood And... know there'll be any kind of information there and we've also got instagram although for the life of me i can't remember the handle um
0: um, Uh, at scottish parliament uh, yeah there we go
2: thank you um so yeah so there'll be more information about that there
1: Um, michael michael i mentioned about ringers and let's just say there's a fair number of ringers who are coming on to play from parliamentary side and because um, they've, they've cast the net widely, and in terms of widely, in terms of age, because I'm pulling on some boots and making an appearance at a, a very almost retirement age, and with a very metal knee, so um, we are uh, we are. I'm looking for a, a glory of ten minutes or 10 5 minutes, five minutes, five minutes even less than that. Yeah,
2: I think I think uh, I think ringer is a strong word there. Um, you know, I think. Uh, one of the things that I'm really really excited about um, this this fixture, as opposed to our usual fixtures, is we've got a squad of 43. Um, you know, and it's it's actually a really it's an interesting kind of um, I'm trying to get a good word for it. Uh, kind of a cross stitch of you know David and his friends and his family. Um, you know, David flat David's flatmate, for example, Dan, who Roger mentioned at the start, um, who has never played rugby in his life, I believe, is playing. Um, you know, Roger's playing, Alex, uh, David's brother is playing. Um, you know, David's friends from school or university, Ben is playing in the yeah. center. Um yeah. you know, um, and then obviously people that David played with once through to people David played with for ten years with the parliament. Um, you know, and to get 43 people to kind of sign up to play rugby, you know, in your name is, you know, I think really impressive. Um, so um I think the hardest part is gonna be making sure everyone gets kind of fair game time. And obviously Roger said he only wants five to ten minutes, but you know managing that expectation. But I think, you know, it's just, it's every, for me personally, it's everything that is about. You know, the fact that you're going to have all these people um, going on a pitch, you know. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter if people play five minutes or if people haven't played before. It's just, that's what rugby is. It brings people together. Um, and obviously, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of friends and family in the stands as well. Um, sort of stands, sorry. Around the pitch, there isn't a stand. But, um you know, which is a kind of testament, again, to David and his character and to the ability of rugby to bring people together.
0: Yeah, just yeah. Actually, sorry before we before we move on, just talking about bringing people together in rugby. What's the sort of I appreciate there would be mentioned of some ringers here and things, but what's the sort of makeup normally of the parliamentary team? Because I think to most people that don't know much about working in the parliament, it's kind of a place a bit like a West Side Story where you have SNP on one side and Tories on the other, and it not not really much mingling going on. But what's the sort of makeup in terms of, of, of bodies?
2: Um, so I'll, I'll take that. If that's okay. Um, so I, um, I suppose the the, kind of the first rule is that we aren't really political. Um, like I don't think I've ever had a political conversation when I've been involved with the Parliament. I mean I'm not technically allowed to with my job, but um, you know it's very you would never guess who represents who. Um, so we've got um, we've got um, there's parliamentarians. Obviously David was one of those. Um, there's MSPs. So Marie Todd, the um, Cabinet Secretary for Public Health and Sport and Women is one, Um, and then there's civil servants like myself, and then people from the court service, and um, the UK government based up here, and then kind of associated, in quotation marks, trades, so lawyers and journalists. Um, So, kind of, we've got a squad of 76, um, people who occasionally play for us, um, and obviously that's now expanded with what's happening next weekend. So that's kind of the makeup. Um, But I'd say we've got political representation from all sides as well. Um, we've got a couple of Labour aides, we've got SNP ministers and staffers and Tory MSPs and staffers and stuff. So it's pretty, yeah, all, all encompassing and all reaching, which is probably what Mandela intended in 95. So, oh. you know, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of it taken down the barricades a bit. So it is, it's probably not what people realise, you know, it's kind of, because um, people kind of do it for the rugby side of it and stuff, eh? So, yeah, I think that's as yeah, good a description as I've got, I think.
1: But for this one, I think is this the first time the parliamentary side has actually had a pipe band to pipe them on and play the anthems?
2: Um, yeah. So um, David actually, David was a and Roger. I don't know if you mentioned, it, David was a very passionate piper. So David has played the anthems for us before, but um, on for the game, we're actually going to have a full pipe band. Um, which Roger, I think you know a bit more about than I do. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's David's uncle, Scott, who is an ex-serviceman and, the, and his son and the, the people's ex servicemens uh, pipe band are playing and I believe they've, they've composed a, a piece of music for it as well as playing the, uh, the anthems uh, for the start. And I think uh, we're also being joined by the presiding officer, officer of the Scottish Parliament, Alison Johnson, I believe, is, is also uh, attending both the match and then there is a subsequent dinner in the evening.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's quite interesting, because obviously one of the things I think, um you know, we obviously try and do the anthem before every game, but it's kind of a way of representing your country, I suppose, is another appeal with the Scottish Parliament team. Because being honest, like, none of us are going to play for Scotland, so <laughs> as much as we would like to and dream of it. But, you know, it, it gives that kind of that formality, and it's going to be, David was, you know, very proud to be Scottish. Uh, my memories of David actually are, you know, generally wearing a Scotland top, because he was always going off to the game after our fixtures. So, I think that kind of association, you know, with the pipeline and stuff will be quite powerful for me personally anyway, um, and for everyone else and I think it's gonna be a really nice touch for the fixture. Um, and I'm really, you know, sort am excited is the right word for it. Um, you know, kind of looking forward to that part of it. Um again, I think it'll be quite a significant moment. Um, and obviously the you know, David's uncle as well, so it's even more personal um, from our
1: perspective. David used to remark that and actually say, Hey Dad, do you know I've been capped for Scotland. And uh have you and I'm going no no well <laughs> I'll get them back next weekend <laughs> um I, I actually I played for
0: the wooden spoon vets once and I told everyone I had a cap for Scotland too so uh, it's, I, think, it's,
1: I
2: think it definitely counts.
1: Uh, absolutely absolutely um, it's a you would get you would get capped if you were playing for the university side or you know, the, the the district sides as well. So absolutely, it is a proper cap.
2: Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure the committee would let me get away with uh, dishing out caps. So I'm not sure we've got that in the budget. But maybe, maybe if we get a very bene- uh, benevolent sponsor next season, we can we can invest in cap.
0: <laughs> and and sorry, just before we, we we're going to talk about the, the cry charity, but um, before we get to that, you did mention you played England four weeks ago. Um, can, you, can you talk us through how it went?
2: Our game or the game in the afternoon?
0: Um, uh, your game. <laughs> uh, Most of us know how the game in the afternoon went.
2: <laughs> um, so we, we have a really envious record of having lost to them every year that Scotland have beaten them um, in the last five years. So uh, I actually got asked the, uh, the night before at the kind of reception, you know, by Lachlan Bruce um, and David and my friends. Uh, would I rather win the rugby against the House of Commons as captain or would I rather Scotland beat uh, England at Twickenham? Uh, Sadly, I couldn't answer the question, um, or I did not answer it, You um, know, we, we were lucky to go down 17-12, I um, uh, actually got to play London Scottish, which is a fantastic round, um, and yeah, we were kind of unlucky to lose, because they're quite physical, um, it, it was actually the only time I've ever seen a yellow card in a Parliament game, uh, when both sevens were sent off, uh, mainly for their seven choking our seven. Um, uh, which is the first time I've ever seen someone get sin bin for being choked Uh, so that's not another mentioned for you George Um, but yeah no really good contest Um, and you know disappointing to lose it but um, there's been some crackers against them over the years I think there was a a 42-42 draw about five years ago six years ago Um, you know they're quite a good side they're a bit older but um, you know they're all kind of very good rugby players so it's quite very physical and very bruising and then obviously one in the afternoon kinda which made it
1: up for it. So um, I got over when, it. when speaking to some of your teammates, Michael, I, I heard that you don't play the Welsh because they are far too serious about it and actually play in a in one of the divisions.
2: Um yeah, so that that um that kind of that's been a kind of reading its head a wee bit um the Welsh do have a proper team and play quite properly. But we're hoping that next year that we um we can encourage them to or we, if we go down to play them, that, you know, we can get them involved. Um, but they do take it quite seriously. Um, it's fair to be said. They're all kind of mid-30s or lower and quite aggressive and quite good at rugby. So, but that's, you know, it's kind of half the challenge, isn't it? Um, so, um, it's the, uh, yeah, I think they're, the English are the hardest opponents we've had, um, or at least that I've played and I've played England, France, Wales, and yeah, those are the three I've played. So, over The last few years, which is good. Yeah. Never played the Irish, so I've been told they like to spin the ball a bit. So, hopefully, if the weather holds, we have a good day of kind of attacking wide rugby. Um,
0: it's a fast track, uh, Pepper Mill as well. Um, if you're putting on the all surface pitch, so
2: yeah, we are so we are on the all surface pitch, so yeah, but I quite, I quite like quick rugby, so uh, although ask me that after 30 minutes, and I've seen. <laughs>
0: So I, I suppose we, we mentioned it, come on to the, the charity CRY, which stands for Cardiac Risk in the Young. You can maybe tell us a bit about that charity yeah. and, and why they're involved.
1: Yeah. I, I didn't know anything about it. Well, I did. I knew a bit, and this is a strange thing, that um, I, I worked up north for a while and I replaced a guy in a job up in the earth. And his son had died at the age of 23 on a football pitch in America. And we, we went to some fundraising nights because he was still in the air for Cry. Didn't realise it was Cry at that time. Um, but it turns out that um, Cry is a national charity, um, but it's it aims, it's got an aim of raising awareness, I mean, these are the aims of what we're wanting to do out of the game and and the dinner and and other events that are being planned and there are other things to raise awareness. So we're looking to to raise awareness of cardiac, sudden cardiac death in young people. And young people is the age of 14 to 35. Um, And raise awareness of that to fundraise for cardiac screening uh, in Dumfries and Galloway, which is where David grew up, but also beyond. um, And also to lobby for change health change in health policy to make the offer of cardiac screening to young people uh, something that's just part of the national health offer. You know, we have cervical screening and other breast screening, that sort of thing. Um, but actually, this would make a, a massive difference. So far, CRY has carried out over 10,000 cardiac screening tests in Scotland which is a big number, and those are being funded by charitable donations. They are being funded by families who are fundraising on the back of it um, and and raising funds for that. Um, But 10,000 is an absolute drop in the ocean. There is, you know, if you think about the number of young people, 14 to 35, who are in this country at the moment, we're we're talking 1 point something million uh, across the piece. Um, And... It is it is a bit of a silent killer if we take the figures and the figures are that, you know, across the UK, 12 young people um, will die of sudden cardiac death each week. Um, and yeah, each week. Um, recently, uh, just October there, David's old school, um, a young 15 year old fit individual died um, again. No no previous um, symptoms or so. So scre- what screening does is it uses echocardiograms to um, actually pick up irregularities in the heart. Um, and a screening session does roughly about 100 people to cost about six, just over 6,000 pounds to do a screening session for 100 people. Um, so there is, you know, bringing that down, there is a huge cost to this to, to actually put it into place. And one in three hundred people that is screened will have had a will have a significant heart defect or heart issue that could lead to a fatal outcome and they have, can be saved so screening will pick up by and large it will pick up a small number of people yes absolutely it should be a small number of people but there are numbers of people who are are carrying it it is a silent killer and so cry is actually the foremost charity in the uk about cardiac testing. So as a family, um, myself and his sister Georgia, his blood sister Georgia, and his mom and, uh, and I have gone through cardiac tests. We're going through um, um, to look at congenital conditions as well to see if there's a there's a link through us. Uh, because David has two nephews, two young nephews of three and one, one and a bit, you know, we do not want it to pass on to them. Uh, so we are involved in that and also genetic testing, that sort of thing to to look at it. So CRY are actually the foremost authority in the country and, and David's results that we've got back have been sent to CRY for them to analyze them as well. Um, And that's where the NHS send for second, you know, their, their expert opinions. So they do that. They also provide counseling to um, bereaved families. So for instance, um, Actually, all of our family have been uh, having counselling or we've been speaking to people. I'm speaking to a guy whose daughter died in a swimming pool on holiday uh, in the middle of the pool, had a cardiac arrest. And she was young. She was relatively fit. And again, just out of nowhere. And so, you know, it's not necessarily grief support, but it is about understanding the process, understanding what we're going through, dealing with the major things. Christmas, you know, Christmas and New new Year was awful, but Christmas isn't it was not great. But it's always the anticipation of things. And we're coming up to the anniversary of David's death and it's about preparing ourselves for that and then moving forward. But what we want to do is we want to make a really positive, you know, look at the positive things. David, we want a positive outcome from here. You know, if we can change health policy, that's massive, that's absolutely huge and that will be a big part of the campaign moving forward um, and that involves talking to politicians and, and to degree, the great thing about David was his connections. David was spoken about in the Scottish Parliament, there are connections there, parliamentarians know who David was um, and therefore having access to people who are decision makers is slightly easier than for other families. So we're going to use that currency we have I, and use it, as well as the fundraising, to take that forward. So there's a, there's there's massive things going on. I mean, we have um, uh, this on the Saturday night we have a dinner for 209, 210 uh, charity dinner uh, in in a hotel right in Charlotte Square in the centre of Edinburgh, um, and we're that's being attended by the presidents of the Irish Rugby Union and the Scottish Rugby Union. We have at least one British line there, we have Irish uh, ministers of state, we've got the Irish consul, we've got the presiding officer, you know, it is quite, it's a big thing, it's a big thing and all credit to David's friends and colleagues in the Parliamentary, who have been driving this, you know, the, the organising committee have been fantastic. And then my other son Alex, uh, David's brother, is uh, doing the Three Peaks Challenge in and, and, with with friends so they're doing you know Scafell Pike Nevis and Snowdonia Snowdon in 24 hours so they're doing that and then with the uh, the parliamentary team's permission that we'd like to next year uh, we'd like to bring the match ball uh, from Edinburgh to Dublin uh, by bike so uh, cycle from uh, Edinburgh to Dublin by actually making a point of going round the secondary schools in Dumfries and Galloway and actually promoting the message as well as fundraising, so there's you know we're we're trying to do a couple of things here uh, and using Cry who have been immensely supportive.
2: I think um, you know obviously Roger obviously talked a lot there about kind of everything involved. From my perspective, obviously we love the match ball we brought. Um you know, I haven't been on my bike in years, but I'd be very keen to be part of that as well. Um, you know, I think from my perspective, I can't really comment on the health policy side, um, just because of my work, but there are, last time I mentioned, I think 41,000 rugby players in Scotland, um, most of whom will be aged under 35. Um, we presume, you know, that number, if it's one in 300, that's 136 rugby players. Um, you know, and that's something that's, you know, quite a big number when you think about it realistically. And it's, you know, it's something that certainly sticks in my head. Um, and I think it's I why it's quite so important that we work with Cry because you know it's it's two-pronged as well um, you know my club Edmund Over are quite lucky to have a defibrillator um, but not every club in Scotland is um, which I find astonishing in some cases you know so um, but screening's half the battle as well so it's kind of you know preventative but also that um, so I think it's really important that you know we raise awareness of it and carry on um, you know so that you know people don't have to go through what, you know, obviously Roger and the family and our teammates have, you know, um, and we're obviously going to be part of that every step of the way. Um, and once this weekend is done, um, you know, we move on to the next thing as a team for that. Um, you know, and I'm sure we'll brainstorm some ideas and come up with some stuff that we can help with. Um, you know,
1: um, Yeah. We're, we're very, as a family, we're very much aware of the impact that David's death had on the teams who were playing at Donnybrook last year. It was, uh, you know, to see somebody who was full of life just, you know, gone very quickly and not being, and skilled people not being able to do anything about it. And I think you're right there, Michael. It, it is a two-pronged attack. The defibrillators, I know the UK government have committed to 20 million pounds worth of defibrillator spending, and that that's part of the back of a cry campaign and, and parental campaign. That that's treatment. At, at you know the event has happened by that point, and, but the screening is absolutely critical as well. So you know it is that that as I say the three prongs of raising awareness so we know it. And your face there, Richard, although it's a podcast, your face you know, your mouth dropped and I said 12 a week. You know the numbers are stark. Um, And, you know, the the idea of raising awareness, raising funds and lobbying for change is really sort of our mantra over the next period of time.
0: I think that's it. It's obviously I think it's a you'd want your son with you, but it's good to see that you've handled this in such a positive manner in the sense that, you know, something good can come out, out of this. I think what else was important from your message was not to scare people at the start with like, this is not a rugby injury, but I do wonder, I don't know if from your research and things, um, can people that have this early screening then then engage in sports and things like that after? Or is it-
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because the screening, you know, by and large, 299 people out of 300 will be completely clear. Um and will you know without any intervention required and actually, there is a story of of my wife Leslie her a colleague at her work, her son was screened at a a school uh, you know went through a screening session down down elsewhere, and was found to have a condition, and they've had to make changes to lifestyle for that young person. So there are changes to lifestyle and, and that are required. But, you know, do you make changes to lifestyle to ensure that you're still alive? Absolutely. People do that. You know, we do that with whether people are diabetic or other types of things. You make changes. But there are always ways in which you can continue to participate in sport. Um, you know, you just have to change your outlook, think about it, then take the positive step forward in a slightly different direction. You know, and I just, again, just to be clear, this is not about rugby. Sport does, you know, accelerate it. You know, when your heart rate raises, then it can lead. You know, if there is something there, it can exacerbate things a bit more. Uh, and that's why many of the events happen during, um, during kind of sporting things. But also a lot happen during, uh, a lot of events happen through the night when people are sleeping. You know, so it is, I think the important message here is, you know, don't you know if you can get tested get tested you know if the opportunity is there sign up for it you know and make sure people are directed in that that way and then deal with the results after uh because you've got the results to go on. okay
0: well thank you it's very um enlightening i appreciate this it's a difficult subject it's um to talk about because it is your it's your son um Just to get back to the game, just to make sure everyone's got all the details. um, Because in case you said it's a two thirty kickoff, entries free. Is that right?
2: Yeah, entries free.
0: Yeah, the bar will be open. I think most importantly. (laughs)
2: Yeah, there will there will also be um, there will also be buckets. um, People going to buckets, kind of you know. So donations, obviously, of course, welcome. um, On the sideline, and the bar is open, which is I think an important detail as well.
0: Um, Now, you mentioned cry. You've also mentioned in your your email to me um, the Murrayfield Injured Players Foundation.
1: So can you tell me maybe a wee bit about that one as well? Can I I just jump in at this point? Just for a second, if you don't mind, Richard. And the reason, part of the reason why the Murrayfield Injured is there is I just want to acknowledge the incredible support that as a family we got from the Scottish Rugby Union, from Scottish Rugby and from Irish Rugby. They were absolutely fantastic. They cared for us when we were over in Dublin looked after us and they've been a tremendous support to us as a family so we wanted to in some way give back and I'll pass it back to Michael
2: Yeah I was, <clears throat> was going to say the you the have been absolutely fantastic um, with very involved in running the event um, and obviously I believe Roger, I may be wrong but it's the Murrayfield Injured Players Foundation is attached to Murrayfield My knowledge of it um, is from a player in my year at school um, who was paralysed um, in a scrum playing rugby that was you know years ago but they supported him since um you know kind of helped with financial support so I think I believe it's for kind of players who are kind of seriously injured playing the sport um you know which is another element of it. I know Richard you've done a podcast previously about injuries in the sport. Um you know so it's obviously help when that happens because the majority of people who play rugby in this country are self not self employed but you know amateurs. Um so that's kind of the other I suppose, wing of it. Um I think that kind of that sums them up, Roger fairly doesn't it? That's yeah. Yes, it does.
1: But they also do sort of short term things, you know, sort of say like self-employed people who are injured, say broken leg whatever, can't go out. Then there's short term loan situations or accommodations that are made. So it's not just long term. They look at, you know, helping individuals uh, through there. So I think we want to acknowledge uh, the support that we've had for you know, in some way, so you know, it's a really good one to get involved with. And it, truthfully, it doesn't; it's, it's not as big as flashy as, as some of the other charities, but it does really sterling work.
0: Great, it's, it's, um, it's, it's you. You guys are doing so much and and, and promoting so much. Just if there's people, there will be people that can't make the game. I'm, I'm unfortunately one of them uh, as I have ice hockey commitments on on the, the 11th. Um, but there, there will be a link, there is a link um, for the, um, the, the David Hills, is that a just-given page? I'm not sure, but for
1: young no. um, so, so David Hills, so if you go to cry. Cry. Dot, uh, cry.co.uk, I think it is, I'll just have to check the website, but there is a David Hill webpage um, and uh, um, a, a specific webpage to David's name because Cry sets up individual memorial funds and it means that we can direct those funds to particular places. You can give to cry, absolutely. You can give to cry, no problem with that. That will go to the general kind of fundraising and, and research. Um, and some of David's money goes to research as well, but 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 the bulk of it goes to directed by the family. So I um, have fill in the fill in the blanks. One moment. Just I'm, checking.
0: I think I have the link for it as well here to, to share. I will share it, but if you want to see yeah. it on the podcast, it people Yeah,
1: yeah, Sorry, it's uh, www.cry, which is uh, c-r-y.org.uk forward slash David Hill. Okay. Thank you.
0: And I, w- I will share it as well um, so people can get that direct link. Um, so if you can't make the game and you still want to give um, to the charity um, and help the the, the the amazing work that they're doing, then um, I will share it. And obviously, or, or if you can find it your, yourself as well by by um, using the web address you've just been given. Um, now, um, Guys, is there anything else to touch on that I may have not guided you to in relation to, to this upcoming weekend? And, and David?
2: I think, From my perspective, you know, obviously um, the work that we've put in, you know, the family has been gigantic, but some of them we haven't thanked and haven't mentioned is our sponsors. Um, so, um, you know, uh, Roger and um, uh, Dave's mum, Sharon, um, Roger's wife, Leslie, have been fantastic in making contacts. And one of the contacts they made at the Holyrood dinner, where David won uh, staff of the year, was Siemens. Um, and they've been absolutely fantastic in helping support us um, in terms of the kit and the dinner and stuff. Um, as well as uh, FPC Security, who I believe is um, someone who Roger knows, um, who again has offered us support, uh, VLux as well, um, who are our usual sponsors, um, and also our sponsor, Pub, the Foxing Fund, because, um, you know, we don't have unlimited funds or, you know, we need money to kind of get there and stuff. And I think, um, you know, it's important to recognize their contribution as well. I don't know if there's anyone else I've not mentioned there, Roger, in terms of sponsors. No, well, I think I I think you've
1: got them all, but uh that you know that really do appreciate the sponsors and, and what they've done to support us. And just a, a real big thank you, Richard, for having us on and, and giving us the opportunity to promote and, and raise awareness.
0: No problem at all. Now, just one last thing, because um, it would be remiss of me in the, the week before we play Ireland to to not ask this question. Is this the year, I guess, is the question I'm going to ask. <laughs> I'll go to you first, Michael, because the look on your face suggests no. <laughs> um,
2: I think you know my opinion from the WhatsApp chat. Um, I kind of This is actually playing into my model of losing to France and getting nothing and then beating Ireland with a bonus point and denying them everything. And then losing on the last day to Italy in true Scottish fashion to not win the competition. Uh, ask me at uh, six o'clock on Sunday evening next week. And I'll give you an
0: answer about if it's the year or not. What <laughs> um, about you, Roger. What, what's your thoughts on Scotland's chances against Ireland this this upcoming
1: right. I've been going to Murrayfield since 1974. I always go with every single time I go, I believe we will win. And, uh, you know, I have that. And I put this into David as well, that we were, every game, regardless of who we were playing. So I think we're going to win uh, without a shadow of a doubt.
0: That's amazing how positive you are considering the, uh, the early noughties and uh, watching Scotland during that time. So. I know. It was, it was hard
1: going. It was hard going.
2: That's, that is quite interesting, Richard, that you know, obviously Roger got to see us be successful and then lived through the noughties, whereas I, my first rugby game at Murrayfield was 1999. So I grew up going to every single game in the noughties. So I think that's where I get my pessimism and cynicism from, whereas Roger's seen ah. the kind of the sunlit uplands of... it. Uh, a successful Scottish team, and therefore carries that on.
1: Um, Absolutely, Grand Slam 1990. I was
0: on the stand. Amazing, amazing. Uh, my first game incident was 1999, when they played Italy in the in their bye week. Um, that was the first game I ever saw. Was them playing Italy? It was uh, also the first red card I ever saw, um, as Eric Peters' head got stamped on by the Italian uh, oh, yeah. captain. Um, and uh, I, I guess it spoiled me because the next game, I kind of, the next year, we had that horrible Six Nations, but we beat England. And I thought, oh, well, there's always hope for Scotland. And then we had the whole of noise. <laughs> so, character building. There's, it it's character sure. building. The, the thing is, I, I always think, and I, I don't know if you guys are the same, just I know we're going off-piste a little bit here, but I always think, like, for the All Blacks, it must, All Blacks fans, it must be quite boring. Whereas for us, the highs are so high because we're so used to really bad lows. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. And, and the lows are, are appalling. You know, when you, I, I was at my... I was talking them a couple of years ago, we lost Fraser Brown in the first couple of minutes with a yellow card, and we shipped 60 points. And it was just so painful and so expensive to go for the weekend.
2: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was there... I remember that game vividly. I wasn't at it, but I think we yeah we lost Fraser Brown within two minutes, and then Hugh Jones dislocated uh, tore his ankle ten minutes in. So yes. when Ali Price or George Horne on the wing uh, as Jonathan Joseph scored a hat trick, it was horrific. Um, an interesting analogy about success there, actually. Um, Richard is oh, I'm a Rangers fan, so obviously I grew up with us winning everything, um, and I believe David was as well. Roger, I'm not. I can't. He was, yeah. You know, yeah. So, but then obviously everything happened in 2013, so I've seen both sides of that coin. Um, you know of winning everything and you kind of get used to it and it gets a bit boring but then obviously we went down the league so I think yeah it's not that exciting winning everything so I wouldn't I wouldn't have it any other way as a Scotland fan. Um, yeah. Some of the best memories of my life have been following Scotland in defeat or victory. So, uh,
1: and, you, and just to say some of the best memories I have with David is we had season tickets together so the three of us would go so Leslie, myself and David and we'd, we'd we were together and, and when we beat England, say, uh, you know, and believe that game, 2 you know, we captured about bit. Of, it was uh, just euphoric and brilliant and just life, life-affirming life and life-uplifting. And to share that with the people you love is just amazing.
0: Um, I'm not ashamed to say that I actually um, cried a little bit at the end of that game in uh, so, <laughs> 2018 I never thought I would see them beat England <laughs> in the flesh and that was the first time I saw it so um, yeah um, well it's been great talking to you guys um, if everyone keeps an eye out on, on my Twitter page as well as at um, Hollyrood Rugby and that's only one L um, in case you get it wrong um, and also on Instagram at, at Scottish Parliament RFC for more information um, if you're free on Saturday, get yourself down to Pepper Mill. Um, entry's free, the bar will be open. I'm sure there'll be snacks are available at the bar as well, if you need them. Um, and there'll be some buckets there for uh, Cry and the Murrayfield Injured Players Foundation. I'll share the links of um, uh, for the uh, David Hill page as well. So, um, yeah, guys, it's been lovely to talk to you, and uh, thanks so much for your time this evening. I know it's not the the easiest subject to talk about but but thank you so much for for your time
1: yeah, thank you. it's, a, it's, a, it's actually a pleasure to talk about David thank you